Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Tech Fridays. I'm your host, Tom Gilsonen. Anmol Das is our guest today. He's the Storage Platform Sales Director for the Pacific Northwest at Dell Technologies. Anmol grew up in Southern California, got his bachelor's in mechanical engineering from UC Berkeley and a master's in mechanical engineering from UCLA. Prior to Dell, he worked as a management consultant in the aerospace and defense industry. Currently, Anmol leads a team of 14 people at Dell covering large enterprise accounts, including Microsoft, T-Mobile, Starbucks, and more. Anmol currently lives in Livermore with his family, his wife, and three girls. He enjoys fitness and is an avid sports fan. Go Dodgers. He also enjoys wine tasting and reading history. Anmol, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us this week. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Tom, thanks. Super excited to be here. Um, so tell me a little bit about, uh, it's, so it sounds like you did your undergrad at, at Berkeley, then yep. came here, and then now you're back um, up north. Tell us a little bit about your travels up and down the West Coast. Yeah, so um, I grew up in a small desert town in Southern California called Lancaster, right? So out there in the Mojave Desert, my dad is a civilian scientist with the Air Force, uh, so working on satellites and UAVs and other cool stuff, stuff he can't tell me about. So he was at Edwards Air Force Base, so grew up there, and then we moved away from there and went to Albuquerque, New Mexico for high school. And then after high school was over, I was able to go to Berkeley for undergrad. And so I uh, did four years there, did mechanical engineering. And then when I graduated in 2002, that's when the economy was really bad. So there really weren't any jobs. So ended up going to grad school right after undergrad. And I got into grad school at UCLA, also mechanical engineering. So did UCLA. It was a quick program. It was like nine courses, one year. And then you're oh, really? done. Okay. Yeah. So there was no thesis or there's no project or anything like that. So it was a quick master's, did that. And then I was kind of from LA any, anyway. So then just started working in LA area in the aerospace and defense field and kind of did that up until I would say from 2004 till 2009 or so. And then I did a, I moved to Washington DC area actually for a quick couple years and then I came back to L.A. and basically was in L.A. up until last year. Last year, we moved the whole family up here to NorCal. So now I live in Livermore yeah. up here in the Bay Area. So, And how, uh, how do you like Livermore so far? Oh, we love it. We love yeah. it. I mean, L.A. was great. I mean, I'm kind of from there, but I've got the three kids, right? The three girls. The eldest is five. Middle one's three and a half. Youngest one's two and a half. So we had a little townhouse. We had the front unit of a townhouse in Redondo Beach, but we weren't anywhere close to the beach. I mean, we were like next door to the 405, uh -huh. right? So we had this little place. We had a little front yard, right? And then we moved here to Livermore. And Livermore, we're kind of out in the country a little bit, right? We've got vineyards nearby. And then we've got, there's a lot of open space. You know, when I go on runs, I'm running by horse ranches and, barns and chicken coops and stuff like that so it's it's great it's great from that perspective you get that uh out in the country feel but you're also still 10 minutes away from pleasanton and kind of civilization yeah so it's been great I almost feel like it's a little bit of like a hidden gem yeah it's pretty cool i actually have never known anyone i grew up in the bay area but i've never yeah. known anybody that lived in livermore so now i, <laughs> yeah. now I can check that box. and it's funny my boss lives in livermore Oh, really? Okay. So there's a few folks from Dell that are right here in Livermore. 
All right. So you got your own little, uh, your own little Livermore Dell bubble then. Exactly. That's cool. (laughs) So as everybody knows, I'm a bit of a storage nerd and and so are you. So am I. Uh, I think when I met you, you were, you were like a salesperson and you were selling all flash storage. So tell me a little bit about like, did you choose that path? Did that path choose you? (laughs) Um, And of course, you know, I've known you for some time and you've worked your way up the ranks a little bit, but what, initially got you interested in storage or conversely why was storage interested in you and and and, um how come you stayed in that kind of in that lane if you will so it's funny um it is a pretty interesting story i think the storage uh, and it definitely chose me so like i said i studied engineering so first of all i didn't know any of this stuff existed Mm -hmm. like like storage sales infrastructure sales if you ask me what it infrastructure was I, i had no idea what that was right so I studied mechanical engineering, right? Graduated from UCLA in 2004. And then, you know, LA, there's a lot of aerospace and defense. All the aerospace defense contractors are in El Segundo. And my dad is a scientist with the Air Force. So I didn't necessarily desire to go into aerospace defense. I mean, I wasn't against it, but I didn't have a burning, I never had a burning desire to get into it, but that was the most convenient thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I graduated um, with my master's and I started working as an engineer in the aerospace defense field in LA. I worked for a company called uh, Booz Allen. Did that for four years, got really bored of that after four years. I just thought the whole field was kind of slow, slow moving. In that field, you can be on a project and be on the same project for like 30 years, literally 40 years. You could like like retire on the same project, right? Um, In the back of my mind, I always kind of had a desire, like a secret desire to go into sales. Okay. And go into something high tech, but I didn't really know how to get into it. And I also wanted to get into consulting, like management consulting. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have an MBA. And I didn't necessarily want to take a bunch of time off to go get an MBA. So then I found a company, a small company, management consulting firm located in Irvine, that was a small consulting firm, but advised the aerospace and defense contractors. So they advised the Boeings and the Lockheeds and so that was kind of, I thought that was kind of a cool hybrid, like a cool mix. Mm-hmm. So I went and worked for that company for four years. And we did some good work there. But I got bored of that after a while, too. And there wasn't a lot of upside. It was kind of a very, very niche thing. I didn't see a lot of upside. So now I'm eight years into my career working at this company in Irvine, you know, kind of bored, don't know what to do next. And now I'm like about 29, 30 years old, just don't really know what to do. So I leave work and I didn't know any of this stuff existed. You know, had a secret desire to get into sales. I remember one day I left work early. It was Irvine. I left work early at 3 p.m. And I was making the drive up to Redondo Beach, like an hour long drive. Mm -hmm. Decided to stop at a restaurant to get a quick bite to eat before I made the drive up. So sat at the bar at this restaurant, started talking to the guy next to me. And just started talking about random stuff. He was drinking some white wine. We started talking about wine a little bit. Just completely random. Had a great conversation with this guy, right? So we we agreed to meet up again in a couple weeks. So we met up at that place a couple weeks. And by this time, I had shared with him what I was doing. And he had shared with me what he did. And then he was like, look, I know you're not really looking for a new job or anything like that. But you may be a fit for my company. And I'm like, okay, what do you guys do? He's like, I work for an uh, EMC reseller called Ahead. I had no idea okay. what that. I had no idea what that meant. I had kind of seen the E equals EMC logo on top of buildings, but I had no idea 
what that meant, right? Mm-hmm. So long, and this was a Chicago-based company, a small EMC VAR, but they were starting up an LA operation. They mm-hmm. had like four people in LA and they're looking to hire more. So long story short, I ended up getting hired on by this company. I have no idea why. I knew nothing about storage. I didn't know a flash drive, spitting disk, nothing, right? But I liked what I saw. Everyone impressed me. It was high tech. It was sales. So I got hired on there as a, as an SE, a sales engineer. Mm-hmm. So I got hired on and then I started learning this business. I started learning VMware and storage and every all the myriad of technologies that we have to deal with. But over a year, um, they after a year, they shut us down in L.A. because we didn't sell anything. Okay. <laughs> okay. So they, they shut us down, but it was a great learning experience. Yeah, I but, imagine you learned a lot oh, during yeah. that time. Oh, yeah. And then by then, we had uh, I had built relationships with people at EMC. So mm-hmm. the when this company shut us down, I was able to come over to EMC as a sales engineer at EMC. I see. And so I came over as a sales engineer, and that was really challenging. And they lined me up with a Boston, like a typical Boston seller, like an old uh-huh. school Boston EMC guy who was great with the relationship, like amazing with the relationship, but couldn't really, didn't know the technical. And then didn't know I, anything about computers. Didn't yeah. know anything. <laughs> Literally couldn't run his computer, right? But amazing right. sales guy, amazing with the relationship. And he's, they got him lined up with me, and I still don't know anything. <laughs> Right. So um, those first two years were kind of hard. I was kind of struggling, but um, there were certain days I was just trying to get through the day, like trying not to get fired. Right. (laughs) I felt like I was kind of an imposter in the role, but I kind of figured it out. I was studying a lot behind the scenes and I was able to bring in experts. I brought in experts, had them do the presentation, you know, project manage the sales campaigns. I was able to get Mm -hmm. through it. Did that for two years. And then after two years, I, I understood. I think sales is where I want to be. Okay. I think the sales gig, that's kind of what I want to do. And then at that time, now this is early 2015, the all flash array business was ramping up. Everyone yep. was going all flash. So if you remember, we had a product at that time, Extreme IO. I remember it well. Yeah. Yep, which was the first all flash array that we had. They were starting up an Extreme IO sales team. So a team that only sold Extreme IO. So then I started as the Extreme IO rep, the the guy covering Extreme IO for all of SoCal, enterprise, commercial, everything. And that kind of started my journey in sales. And here I am. And I'm still with that Extreme IO team. So the team I'm on today, it's the it, it, it Extreme IO team evolved into what I'm doing today. So that's kind of the quick and dirty, huh? Yeah. And the so the and your team now, you are responsible for all different types of storage, right? Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. So basically, um, so in 2015, they started the Extreme IO team. And so it's a team only covering Extreme IO. So 2015, we covered Extreme IO. Then um, after that, we figured out, okay, Flash is the way to go. So we're going to have an all-Flash portfolio. So they took our VMAX, which is our high-end line, and came out with the VMAX all-Flash. Okay. And then they also came out with kind of a mid-range array called Unity, Unity All-Flash. So in 2016, our team evolved from being Extreme IO to the All-Flash team. I see. So we became, we covered VMAX All-Flash, Extreme IO, and Unity All-Flash, basically the All-Flash portfolio. So we did mm-hmm. that in 2016. Then in 2017, they gave us all block storage. Yep. So you're going to do all block storage. So then we became MIT, oh. which is called the Modern Infrastructure Team. 
MIT. <laughs> so we were MIT in 2017. And then do you remember VCE? I do. Yeah. So then they in, were a company that was like VMware, Cisco, yeah. and EMC, right? And so they made like converged, yep. not not hyper-converged because that came later, but converged storage converged. Devices, right? So then in 2018, our team merged with the VCE guys. Okay. And, and the combined team became MDC or the modern data center team. Yeah. And that's a term I'm familiar with. That that one persists, right? That, that's the same that, team I'm on today. MD, like recently, two months ago, they changed the name from MDC to SBS. Gotcha. So no, I would, that's like breaking news. <laughs> I don't even know that. So, and then somewhere in there, you became uh, a Dell employee also, right? What was the timing on that? Yeah, the whole Dell merger was um, announced in, in 2015 at some point. I gotcha. think in the second right. half of 2015. And then wow, we just fast. Yeah. And then we've slowly become Dell over time. We've been kind of Dellified, you know, quarter over quarter after quarter, slowly over time. So whereas now, then for the longest time, we were Dell EMC, right? Now I think they've fully retired the EMC and we're Dell technology. So I'm a Dell. Yep. I'm a Dell guy. <laughs> yep. And do you know what EMC, do you know how they came up with that name? Yes. Quick EMC I, trivia. Yes. Yes, I think so. There are three guys, Egan, Marino, and then I don't and think any, no one knows who the third no guy is. No one knows who yeah. the C is. Yeah. That's right. And what was the, do you know what the first yes. um, product was that they sold? Well, I heard they were a moving company. Yeah, furniture. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, nothing to do with computers. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. Yeah, very, very interesting company. And of course, uh, Michael Dell, I believe, started Dell from his dorm room in college yeah. where he had this idea that we're going to build the computers and and, and send them direct to consumer. Because yeah. at that time, of course, you couldn't buy computers on the internet because there was not really internet in the way that there certainly wasn't e-commerce in the way yeah. that we have it now. And everybody else, uh, what remember like Gateway? Yeah, and all these I remember them. They would do operating retail stores or selling through big box retail stores like you know Best Buy and Office Max and stuff like that. So he was like, "We're just going to send out a catalog." Yeah, and then yeah, you were you you would call on the phone and tell them your configuration, and they would they would send you the stuff. So, which I think to this day you can still do that. I think if you want to <laughs> call whatever it is one eight hundred Go Dell, I think you can buy yourself a computer. Yeah. There. So I definitely like the Dell laptops. That's been one of the one of the thing, great things about the Dell EMC merger. We get these great Dell laptops, and you can kind of refresh them every other year. So no more ThinkPads that are five years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk um, a little bit about technology and how it's affected some some various things. This is obviously a you know very uh, very unusual time, and. Um, it's been a been a pretty wild year. We're obviously in the midst of a global pandemic. Yep. Most importantly, one that we didn't know was coming last so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you is: so setting aside, um, you know, the large infrastructure stuff that you do for your customers, but just for you and this team of fourteen people that's re uh, reporting up into you. Tell me, I assume you had a somewhat geographically, you know, distributed model before, but I'm interested in uh, how has the use of technology, like, you know, virtual meetings and, and the fact that nobody can go see customers, right? Because obviously you've got a very in-person, high-touch model. Yep. Um, you know, tell me kind of, you know, how has that evolved? How have you adjusted? Um, what What is life, you know, what was like, what was life like 
before all this happened and now you know how are how are you coming with the adjustments how's that going yeah no so it's a great question um so it's been a big adjustment for me personally so i cover pack northwest right now but i've only been covering pack northwest for the last two months so since q3 began so um for a year prior to that i had a slightly different role same team sps mdc whatever you want to call it but basically i covered the entire west and I covered an account set called Enterprise Preferred. So in the past, we in the past, we always just had enterprise, right? So if you take a typical enterprise seller, the enterprise seller would have maybe eight accounts. Mm-hmm. And what they would what would happen is they would spend all their time on the two main accounts. And those two main accounts brought in 90% of the revenue. And right. the other, the other six accounts would be still enterprise, but maybe underpen accounts or white space accounts or what have you right so they wouldn't spend any time there and and rightfully so those top two accounts brought in all the money so what they decided to do three years ago was separate enterprise into enterprise and enterprise preferred so enterprise kept those big accounts those one or two big accounts per rep and those other six accounts that were more underpen in nature went to enterprise preferred So you had this organization that was enterprise preferred that was, it was still enterprise accounts, but it was the more underpin white space of those enterprise accounts. So over the last year, I covered that enterprise preferred patch, but for the whole West. So I had Texas, I had, I basically had Texas, everything West. So I had 10, I had 10 reps and like about eight SEs throughout the entire West. So basically, to make a long story short, for a year, I was basically traveling every single week. For two years, mm-hmm. I was traveling every single week. I'd hop on a plane Tuesday morning or Monday night, come back Thursday. So, And the EMC nature was always go visit the customer, go see the customer. If you're not taking a customer out right now, you're not doing your job. It's a very high touch. Yeah. So then there was a resegmentation that happened with Dell at the end of Q2 and also coincided with the pandemic. In the Interesting. Reseg- in the so reseg- that all happened at the same time. Huh? Happened, happened at the same time. The resegmentation, what they did was they basically, that enterprise preferred, they basically almost obliterated the enterprise preferred. So enterprise preferred still remains, but it's much, much smaller. Most of those accounts went back up to enterprise or some of them went to mm-hmm. commercial. So essentially, my job kind of went away two months ago. Um, but then luckily, I took over the job where I'm covering Pack Northwest Enterprise. And Pack Northwest okay. Enterprise is bigger now, right? Because it took a bunch of those enterprise preferred accounts. So I went from traveling almost every week to now just kind of working from home every week. You know, we still use Zoom beforehand. But honestly, I had never done a video meeting. I never did a video like this up until the pandemic yeah. hit. It's been a pretty natural evolution, to tell you the truth. You know, we still meet with customers. We just do video mm-hmm. meetings. Our customers can meet more often because we're just meeting over video. Yeah. And it actually hasn't been that big of an impact. So we hit our number in Q1 and Q2. Congratulations. Luckily. Thank, like, yeah. liter- like, we didn't blow it out. We were like, I was maybe like $1,000 over the number. <laughs> so we barely squeaked over. But luckily, we hit the number. We're going to probably blow out the number in Q3 and Q4. That's great. So, Congratulations. Thank yeah. you. So ironically, the pandemic hasn't affected us too much from a numbers perspective. I think certain industries got hit 
Uh, some sure. verticals got hit. Other verticals are kind of accelerating their IT transformation. And I cover mm -hmm. a geography. So in that geography, you have a wide swath of verticals. Got so overall, everything. Yeah, yeah, overall, it's kind of balanced itself out. And we're hitting our numbers, but we're not traveling. So probably higher profits. Yeah. yeah. So I think Dell's going to see that and be like, do these guys really need to travel? They're still hitting their numbers. So that's good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, my understanding is the policy at Dell is you're not supposed to see customers in person at all, even if your customers are agreeable to it, right? Like as a, as a company, you guys are supposed to be quarantining is too strong of a word, but you're supposed to be avoiding in-person contact, right? Well, so the way it is now is so travel is not allowed. Yeah. Right. Travel is not allowed unless you have, you know, executive vice president approval or something like that. But if I have a customer locally and that customer is willing to meet, you know, I can oh, go cool. I can go meet with that customer, do meetings, lunch, all of that. All of that is allowed as long as the customer is willing to meet. But I, travel is not travel is not allowed. Now, I think technically travel is allowed to certain areas like there's certain um states on the approved list but it's like delaware and another so and i don't i don't have any customers there so <laughs> fair enough and then tell me a little bit about so for your for your customers right there are these people are obviously making big infrastructure investments like you said digital transformation so the the very name of your practice modern data center implies that people are taking traditional it strategies and modernizing them, investing in hardware, software, and cloud services to like do things differently and better. So what effect, if any, are you seeing um, all these sort of COVID-related uh, market trends having on uh, customers' modernization efforts? Yeah, so so good question. A couple of things that I've seen is, so like I said, certain industries have been hit. Right. So when I was the when I was covering the West and enterprise preferred Las Vegas was in my patch. So the mm -hmm. casinos were hit big time. Right. If you only covered the casinos, you were kind of in for a rough day because obviously their business is being hit. No one's, yeah, no one's going in. You know, yeah. um, you know, other industries like travel related industries have seen a hit and they stopped spending for a while. But we feel like some of that spending is now coming back. Because the travel-related industries, they're seeing the the clicks online. They're seeing people look into travel. They know travel's mm -hmm. opening back up. So now I think they're kind of opening things back up and reinvestigating their IT um, investments. Other verticals like healthcare actually accelerated IT spending right from the start. So what sure. we saw with healthcare was VDI accelerated. Uh, that makes sense and a yeah, lot because they don't want to have people in cubicles right next to each other. It, yeah. it, exactly. Right. So VDI accelerated. So any sort of infrastructure around VDI, hyper-converged laptops, some of the VMware stuff, you know, we saw sales of that spike kind of right when the COVID thing hit. So that's what, so overall it's been, it's been neutral on the business, right? Gotcha. It hasn't had a huge impact yet, thankfully, but other you know, the other thing that we've seen, and this is kind of outside COVID, is we've seen a big repatriation from the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. So about four or five years ago, everyone thought by now everyone would just be in the cloud, right? We would have right, gotten rid right. of all of our data centers. Everyone was going to go to the cloud. So there's this huge rush to go to the cloud. Every single company was cloud first, cloud first. It's got to be cloud mm -hmm. first. And what we're finding now is that cloud is, is important, but cloud is not cheaper than on-prem. 
And there's other limitations of the cloud. There's security, there's performance, there's lock-in, cost, all those things. So what we're finding is a lot of our customers are now coming back. They thought they'd be yeah. cloud, but they're only like 10% cloud and they're spending so much, they know 100% cloud is not the answer. So customers yeah. are now more application first or data first rather than cloud first, which basically Agreed. means what's my app and the right fit for that app may be cloud or the right fit for that app may be on-prem. So certain stuff's going to go to the cloud, certain <coughs> stuff's going to go on-prem. So a lot of customers who said we're cloud first, we're not going to make any infrastructure uh, decisions or investments are now realizing, yeah, they do have to completely transform their infrastructure and now they're spending again. And then so some of that was delayed a little bit because of COVID, but now some of that is coming back as well. It's also interesting how the cloud more and more tries to emulate the on-premise experience and on-premise specifically some of the stuff that you guys are marketing now becomes more and more, looks more and more and behaves and acts and smells and tastes more like cloud infrastructure. So I think it, you end up with the, just like all IT trends, right? It's like, there's always some sort of innovation. Um, it, it, you know, it always, it often is disruptive, does add value for customers. And then there's sort of like almost a- uh, Over rotation. Yeah, that's a, that's a great yeah. way of saying it. I was going to say just like, like almost misplaced allegiance to this yes. new market trend until, you know, it becomes like, quote unquote, too much of a good thing. And, yeah. then, and then folks start. But the thing I like about IT and specifically about the cloud thing is I really think it made infrastructure providers like Dell, it forced uh, innovation. Yeah. And so now the solutions that you guys have, like, actually are, I, in my opinion, better than they would have been without this kind of like outside competition that is like a different way of, of doing things. hundred percent. Um, 100%, so, right. And then our customers are going through that as well. Our customers are realizing, whoa, we did all of these things so inefficiently before we can tighten up here, we can tighten up there, right? It's forcing kind of all of us to get better and leaner, I think. So I think that's a yep. good thing. So, and for those folks that joined today that know that you're a storage expert and that you and I are both <laughs> interested in storage, um, I have one question, which is... Um, Tell me about how NVMe has transformed your uh, technology portfolio. And maybe even for folks that aren't super familiar with it, but know that everyone is investing in it. Tell us a little bit about NVMe and, and why you think it's important. Yeah, so that's a great, great question. So there's a, I think there's a myth about M NVMe, right? So I think um, one of the myths, and I thought this too, before I studied into it, a lot of folks think NVMe is a drive. And so a lot, of, a lot of vendors will say, we have NVMe drives and you don't, so we're better than you are. NVMe is actually a protocol, not a drive. So if you look at a storage array, in a storage array, you have the storage controllers on top. And then on the back end, you have the drives. So let's say those are all flash drives. NVMe is the connection protocol between those controllers and the back end drives. Okay, mm -hmm. so previously, even when we entered this all flash space, like in 2015 with Extreme IO or 2015 with Pure, all of the vendors were still using SaaS as the connection mm -hmm. protocol. And SaaS was basically the connection protocol from spinning disks. So with SaaS, you have one queue going from the back end drive to the front end controllers. SaaS was okay in the spinning disk world, but in the all flash world, it's a bit of a bottleneck. 
I see. What NVMe does is NVMe opens up all of those lanes. So with NVMe, you have you now have essentially 64,000 queues going from each drive to the front end. So now all of a sudden you have all this massive parallelism. Mm-hmm. So that's why NVMe is important. And then you also have the protocol from the front end controllers to the host. And that, sure. that can be NVMe as well. So think of NVMe as opening up those lanes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now that's important. But the problem that we see is some of our some of our competitors are dual controller. So like if you like some of our competitors are dual controller and only one controller is active, the other controller is passive. Active passive, sure. So if they're doing NVMe, that's great that they've got all these lanes, but all of those lanes are bottlenecked behind a single controller. controller right. So I've got this super fast flash on the back end, which is great. That super fast flash is pushing all these IOPS through all of these lanes created by NVMe, which is also great. But all of that is bottlenecked behind a single active controller. Mm -hmm. It's almost like being on a huge freeway, but that huge freeway bottlenecks to one ticket booth or something. We all know what that feels like. Security booth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of why we feel as if you know we have NVMe too, but at a minimum you need. If you're doing two dual control, they have to be active, active, or best sure. case scenario is need you need multi controllers. You need an array that scales to multi controllers, and then there's no bottleneck. Makes sense. Makes sense. What's your what have you seen in terms of adoption? I mean, I know that a number of your storage solution lines or sets now include NVMe. What, or do you see customers adopting that? Yeah. So um, NVMe is kind of um, it's standard now on our latest and greatest technology. So if you okay. look at our go-to high-end arrays, the PowerMax, right? PowerMax mm-hmm. is standard NVMe on the back end. There's no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna choose NVMe or not, choose NVMe. I see, right? okay. The same thing with PowerStore. PowerStore is our go-to array for the mid-range. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most exciting launch we've had since Extreme Mile, since the Extreme Mile days. Again, NVMe standard. There's no way to there's no way to choose it or not choose it. I see. All right. So you've up you've like sounds like you've upgraded almost everything with that. So that's yeah. that's that's great. So uh one last question. Tell me about so obviously all this stuff changed, right? It sounds like your job changed, your technology changed, your customer requirements changed, the, your ability or selling motion, as we sometimes call it, uh, you know, changed. So, and I'm not good enough at sports to make any sports <laughs> analogies, except for the following. There were several things that changed the game, right, over the last 12 months. Um, what would you say is one of your biggest challenges that that you faced, and how did you guys overcome it, you and your team? Um, that's a good question. So, biggest challenges. Um, so, COVID, and I think I could speak for my team as well. COVID was a challenge for me, not necessarily because it impacted the business. Mm-hmm. Um but more just from a mental perspective, right? Sure. So I'm personally, I'm somebody, and I think a lot of salespeople fall into this category. We like being out there, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't like just sitting at home or working from home as salespeople. You're trained to be out there with customers. Um, and that, that's one of the main reasons why I came into sales. Because in my previous roles, I always had a job where I was kind of stuck behind a desk. I loved mm-hmm. how in sales, every day is completely different. You know, one day you may be visiting customers all day. Maybe the next day you're in the local office. Third day you're traveling somewhere. 
for today. Yeah. You've got a customer dinner and then the next week is completely different, right? Yeah. I loved that about sales. I never even thought sales was a job. I thought it was like, it was fun for me. It was competitive. It was like sports. So, and I was mm -hmm. traveling every week, right? In my previous job, COVID took all that away. So COVID, yeah. I'm just here day after day at home behind a desk. So I think that was kind of the biggest challenge. It was more of that mental challenge. And I think mm -hmm. a, a lot of the people that I've, that I work with have a similar challenge to that. But, um, you know, like I said, I was able to get into different activities. I got into tennis. I got into long distance biking. I spend more time with the kids. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it has some blessings too, right? I have more time to just sit out in the front yard with mm -hmm. a coffee and just take a look out onto the street, right? Like little things yeah. I never did, never did before. So sure. that's kind of been the biggest challenge. But I think now that I'm over the initial COVID shock, um, come out better from the other side. And when I talk to a lot of the reps who work with me and for me, I think they're in kind of a similar boat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will tell you one thing I will, that will always be different. Cause I, I'm more, uh, I agree with Jerry Seinfeld that it will, you know, he says New York will be back. I think LA will be back. Yeah. We'll be back. But one thing that is undeniable is that I will never, I don't think a single day will go by if and when this is all over that I don't appreciate how much I love being around other people. And, and especially yeah. like, you know, one of my favorite things has always been going to a baseball game and being yeah. in that crowd of 50,000 yeah. people. But I, I'll have a whole newfound appreciation for that, you know, once we yeah. can do that again. No, that's that's a good point. So I was basically completely quarantined for like the first five months, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, then I started maybe in the last month or month and a half, I started venturing out a little bit. Like I would go to a restaurant and sit in the back and be socially distanced. But I just enjoy those experiences so much more now because it was all taken away yeah so now when i do go out there it's like i just i just like being out i just enjoy it yeah it's like a newfound appreciation yeah so well hey um i really appreciate you doing this thanks for giving us some of your time uh hopefully someday we'll be able to do an interview like this in person no. i hope that that day is soon um as as uh as we wrap things up um Tell us in your new reality, what are you going to do this weekend? <laughs> um, so li like I said, I got into some activities because of COVID. So one of the mm -hmm. things I did is I bought a bike, like a nice road okay. bike, and I kind of splurged on it. So I may go on a long ride this weekend, maybe Sounds like a good. 20, 30 mile ride or something like that. Actually, my wife ha is taking today off because usually okay. she... She goes in and she doesn't come back until late at night and she's off all weekend. So we oh, cool. may, we're still brainstorming. We may pop up to Napa and do like a real quick Napa trip. So it's great. We, yeah. I hope the, have all the fires kind of died down there a little bit? Oh, you know what? I haven't even like researched yeah, that. I, I, it was front page news and then it wasn't yeah. and I, but I need to, I need to check that. Yeah. I always had a nice time up there. It's yeah. great up there. But if we do that, then the bike ride goes away, but I'm cool with that. I'm down for yeah. a Napa, an ad hoc Napa trip. So we may do that. So we'll see. Hopefully the Lakers win the championship tonight. So there's there's no basketball over the weekend. We can wait until That's the Dodgers right. start back up on Monday. Yeah. Cool. Well, Anmol, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, uh, no matter what you end up doing. And uh, for all of you tuned in, thank you very much for joining Fresh Tech Fridays. 
We will see you in another two weeks on Friday, October 23rd at 10 a.m. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for joining this week's episode of Fresh Tech Fridays. I'm your host, Tom Gilsonen. I want to thank Jason Johnson for composing our theme music, RSPE, and especially Russ for help with some engineering and equipment, Dell Technologies for helping sponsor some episodes of the podcast, Kayla Robeson, DZ Solutions Marketing Director, for helping make this all possible, and last but not least, our fearless audio engineer, Jeff Rockland, engineering from afar. If you want to learn more about Jeff and his projects, I encourage you to check out his Relief Valve podcast that you can find wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again, and see you next time.